Welcome to the Great Canadian Leadership Podcast, proudly brought to you by the Great Canadian Training and Consulting Company. Thank you for joining us today in our search for what makes a great communicator. I'm your host, Joel Silverstone, and every episode we'll be speaking with leaders and experts on how they were able to use their communication skills to inspire, create trust, collaboration, and influence others all in a respectful manner. How did they do it? What did they do to get better? How did they adapt? Where did they fail? Listeners and viewers, if you are looking to improve your communication skills and take those steps to being the next great leader in business, you're in the right place. Enjoy the podcast. We would all like to communicate with confidence. Well, what does that mean? In this episode, we're going to be talking about how to be more influential and impactful in your business interactions. As a leader, how can you have more impact on the growth of the people around you? As an HR leader, how can you be more influential as a trusted business partner? And we've got Jennifer McClure here, and she's sharing her 30 plus years of experience in HR and leadership, bringing great insights and examples on what it takes to be able to communicate that inspires others to be better. Jennifer McClure is the CEO of Unbridled Talent and Disrupt HR. And Jennifer is frequently recognized as a global influencer and expert on the future of work, strategic leadership, and innovative people strategies. Jennifer is also the Chief Excitement Officer of Disrupt HR, which is a global community designed to move the collective thinking forward when it comes to talent in the workplace, and also is the host of a weekly podcast, Check It Out, Impact Makers with Jennifer McClure. This is an insightful episode on leadership. HR, and the communication skills needed to be caring and impactful. Let's meet Jennifer McClure. Jennifer McClure, it is so great to have you on the show on the Great Canadian Leadership Podcast. I am honored and thrilled to be on such an auspiciously named podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's such a great title. Thank you. Um, let's talk... We've got, we're, we're going to be talking about to communicate, how to communicate with confidence. And I know you have a lot of thoughts on how to be more influential, how to have more impact, uh, and looking from an HR perspective, how HR people can have more influence and more impact in their dealings with people and, and how to communicate better. Let's start with something that you've created called Disrupt HR. And I was lucky I got a chance to do it a few times, uh, but maybe you could share with our listeners the magic of Disrupt HR. What is it and how you came up with it? Yeah, I guess it's kind of a co-creation. I always um, like to make sure that the person that gets credit for being the founder is the person who actually took my idea and made it happen. So <laughs> when I say my idea, again, I think it was a co-creation. Um, I had met a gentleman here in Cincinnati where I live uh, who was a young startup founder in the HR technology space uh, back in 2000 probably met him in 2012, but in 2013, we were having lunch because he'd asked me to just kind of be an advisor to his company. Uh, his background was not human resources, but he had, a, again, an HR uh, technology product that was working with companies to understand engagement and embeddedness of their employees. And so he had reached out to myself and some others in the industry to kind of just advise him, uh, you know, because his target customer was the HR leader. 
Uh, and so we were just having a lunch and I was learning a little bit about what was new with him and their company and their product. And at the end of that lunch, he said, well, what's, what's new with you? What are you thinking about? And I was about three years into my business as a full-time professional speaker. And so I had just been thinking a little bit about, you know, I'm attending 50 to 70 conferences or events each year, speaking Mm -hmm. at them or or being at them, um, most of them in the human resources recruiting space because my background is in that area. And I'm seeing a lot of the same people on stages at those conferences and events and hearing a lot of the same talks or the same topics. Now, I don't say that to be a criticism because I also know that the average practitioner probably attends one, maybe two conferences a year. So they're not seeing the same people on 50 different stages. But it kind of tweaked in my mind the idea that there were a lot of people out there that maybe had ideas or perspectives or there were topics that were not being heard on stages around the world. And so I just kind of been noodling in my brain about maybe someday putting on an event here in Cincinnati and inviting some people that I knew had different thoughts or ideas or perspectives, or maybe even opening it up to people that I wasn't familiar with and just kind of threw that out on the table. And Chris picked it up and thought it was a great idea and got excited about it. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Simmer down. You know, it'll (laughs) happen someday. And uh, he actually called me maybe a couple of weeks later and said he really just couldn't stop thinking about the idea and thought that it was something that we could and should do. um, And that he and his team would be happy to help. And so like I said, he gets credit for being the founder because I would probably still just be thinking it would be a great idea. (laughs) Um, And Chris at the time was the community organizer for Ignite events in Cincinnati. So if you're familiar with Ignite Talks, and it's IgniteTalks.io, I believe, or Ignite.io. Um, there are five-minute, 20-slide, 15-second talks, typically, again, community-sourced ideas, people that get up and share something that they're passionate about. So Chris's idea was to call it Disrupt um, and to use the Ignite format and to hold it. We held it in a local brewery that had been restored and invited a lot of cool people, not just HR and recruiting people, and had some really interesting talks. Um, And so it was born in December 2013. We were just thinking, again, it might be something we do here in Cincinnati. A friend of mine from Denver attended because she was speaking um, in the area, and I made her come. And she loved it and asked if she could do it in Denver. And so we helped her. And I think once we put the videos online, I know I got a friend from Toronto reached out to me, Jeff Waldman. Um, Chris had someone from Vancouver and New York City reach out. And so it just kind of spread organically for the first year and a half or so. And then we said, it seems like people want to do this. I think we had 14 or 15 cities. And so we formed a partnership to build out the website, you know, promote the videos, um, make it more open. And pre-March 2020, Oh, and we all know what happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-March 2020, sure. we had 158 licensed cities in 37 countries and over 5,000 Disrupt HR talks had been given. Uh, we paused things for a little bit. Uh, now we've kind of like tentatively stepping back in and live events are being scheduled around the world again. Uh, don't know that we'll end up with 158 licensed cities again, but it seems like about 90% of our license holders so far want to continue and keep the disruption going. That 
Lovely. I'm sure when things get back to normal or whatever normal will be, uh, I, I'm sure this will take off. I mean, this was just gaining so much momentum. Um, and it's true. It's the idea of, I like what you say, which is you've gone to a lot of conferences and you see the same speakers over and over and to literally disrupt the way that people are speaking, give them a format, a template that, that really forces them to have to stick to that, that format, which mm-hmm. actually, you know, when I did it, it was like, oh, this, this is making me a much better speaker. Yeah. I had to be very specific about what it is I want to say and really think about why people should care about what it is that I'm saying mm-hmm. um, because of the, the format out of this five minutes uh 15 slides was that what it was 20 slides 20 slides advanced every 15 seconds every 15 and i have no control over the advancement so it's it's it it forces you to just really know exactly uh and take all the ums and us out of it because there's no time for it so it made me it made me a much better speaker and in watching the other people present um people were now inspired to really come up with bigger better ideas to really create um, interest and engagement from the audience. So I, I think that's one of the being, even if you watch the videos, it's, just, it's, it's the same experience to be even as though you're there live to get the ideas and the thoughts and people who are maybe not speakers, but to come up and present the ideas in an effective and, and really uh, engaging way. So yeah. kudos to you, Jennifer, and to Chris, if you're listening. <laughs> he's off doing other things these mm-hmm. days. So, I mean, he's still involved with Disrupt HR, but uh, he's kind of moved into, he's an entrepreneur at heart. So he starts up companies and makes them successful. Well, great. Well, anyway, I really, I really enjoyed the experience. I, I never sweat so much in my life when I was doing it. Did it twice, once in Ottawa, once in Buffalo. Uh, and speaking to the other speakers, everyone was the same because that, that 15 seconds, mm-hmm. uh, that 20 seconds or, you know, the slides are, are changing. It really forces you to be on top of your game. So loved it. Such a great experience. And, uh, I uh, really enjoyed watching the other speakers. So really great experience to disrupt HR. Uh, kind of like TED Talks, but just a lot shorter, a lot more concise, uh, and a variety of speakers. So speaking of disrupt, um, and speaking how, on how to communicate with confidence, uh, I'm going to sort of paraphrase quote you if you're ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like this is what I love, and I'm going to ask you for your thoughts to expand on this. This is your your. I'm going to paraphrase your quote, which is: If you were to go up and ask someone and say, "Hey, who has really influenced and really you know had some impact on you?" Your name should come up when they say it. Mm-hmm. Is that is that correct? Is that right? Yes, uh, it sounds like a brilliant statement. So I must have said it. Yeah, <laughs> or there you go. Like that. <laughs> so I think you know that's something we'd all love to aspire to. We'd lo- all love to be able to say, "Wow, that would be great to have that kind of capability that I'm 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 influential one on one or that have impact on on someone's life." Um, so you know, how does one do that? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess I just look at it as what's the point of leadership anyway? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I if I'm a kid, you know, when we're kids, we're asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you say fireman, policeman, you know, doctor, whatever. <laughs> uh, maybe somebody says lawyer when they're little. But really, I think as we grow and mature, we're looking for a place where we can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so for some people, that's an individual contributor role. And some people that, you know, is using their their mind and their brain to to make vaccines and do amazing things. But for those who aspire to be a leader, um, you're really end goal is getting results through the people uh, that are around you. And so I kind of look at leadership. The whole goal is impacting others. 
And so when people ask me, or most anyone, when you ask someone who, who are three people that have been influential in your life, probably the most people will say a parent, you know, they'll mention a mom or a dad. So that person had leadership in their life by, you know, teaching them hard truths or showing them the way. It's they true. might say a teacher or a religious leader who, you know, influenced them as they kind of figured out who they were and their learning journey, whether that's learning about themselves or others. And then they may say that ideally a, a third person they might mention would be someone that has been influential in their career, since that's a big part of where we spend our lives. Yeah. So I just feel like the opportunity to influence and impact people is tremendous for leaders and it's really important for us to think about and approach the way we lead our people in that way, that I want to be the person that, you know, even if we're not working together anymore, or you've moved on to bigger and better things, or especially if you're on my team, if somebody asks you who's influenced you in your life, I'd love to be one of those names. For sure. And and I'm, I'm sure as the listeners are hearing this, they're going, okay, that's great. I would love to be that person. Um, maybe I'm missing the clues that are happening when I can uh, have an impact on that person, or I don't want to seem like I'm trying too hard, or, you know, I guess there's, you know, what might be the blocks that might get in someone's way to be able to be, I guess, fully present to go, I want to be impactful or be able to be influential for this person. I think probably the biggest block is when people are afraid to tell difficult truths or to be honest with people. Um, and that's tough. You know, we, we none of us like to be um, delivering bad news or, right. you know, encouraging people to go beyond what they believe their limits are, or maybe pointing out things that they could do different or better. Um, but it's really important that you develop a trust relationship with people that they ultimately see that when you tell them something they can do better or you suggest that they stretch beyond what they believe their limits to be, that they trust that you believe they can do better uh, or that you can do it and or that they have wisdom that they can impart and that you can learn from. So. I think a barrier is developing that kind of trust with people. And that doesn't necessarily mean friendship, uh, mm-hmm. trust somebody that yeah. um, you don't go out to beers with, um, but develop the kind of trust that you can speak to people in an authentic and transparent way. And that when you speak difficult truths to them, that they either listen to what you had to say, say think about it, um, try something maybe that they're thinking they can't do or that they understand if you've pointed out something that is something they need to change or do differently that again you have their best interest at heart uh, you're jennifer this is <laughs> absolutely you you nailed it for me I, and i'm trying to find the right word to say that just um all of a sudden it just opened this this opened up something for me here to, it's the hard truths we never think of that. We think about trust. So, you know, it's respect is still there, obviously, and friendship is still there. But it's the, the hard truth, which is coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. But um, and, and as you said that, I could think of hard truths that people have said to me. And those are the people that have had the most impact and influence on me, as an example. And Absolutely. I never thought of it as hard truths. I thought of it as just truth. It, it came easy for them to say it. For example, I've had a few people say to me, I need to read more when I was early in my career. 
And I was like, that was true. I hadn't really thought of that. I thought I was reading, but I wasn't really reading the right, the right stuff to, to grow. Um, and someone had said to me once too, is that, you know, you're a great facilitator, but you're very limited in, in what you can do. And so if you want to, you, you need to expand on that. And those were, those are hard truths. It was difficult, probably difficult for them to say it because I could have reacted a different way. But yeah. the trust was there. Yeah. And I think that's, that's maybe a good exercise for people to do when you, when you get asked that question, who's had the most impact on your life and you spout off your, you know, one to three names or whatever that is. For me, my mom would be one, but that's mm-hmm. because she gave me both gentle and not so gentle correction throughout, you know, growing up and steered me in life and set an example. So that wasn't necessarily a hard truth. The other two would be bosses that I've had. One was a an HR leader that I worked for. And the things that I think of when I think about how he had an impact on my life or when he came in and told me I should do something different or better or encouraged me to think about something in a different way. So again, you know, example would be at one point he came in and and said, you know, Jennifer, people are coming to you with their, you know, their problems, their challenges, their benefits issues, their safety issues, you know, because I was responsible for all the things in the generalist role that I had. And he said, they, they never uh, don't believe, that's not the correct grammar, but you know, they never mm-hmm. don't believe that you're going to give them the right answer. Mm. But what they are struggling with is that they don't feel like you have heard them because you're so quick to give the answer. So when you come, when they come to you with a problem and you used to say, yes, no, um, here's why that, you know, your claim can't be paid or your suggestion is not valid or your issue is wrong. Um, they know that that's the right answer but they didn't feel like you heard them. He said, so my suggestion to you would be sometimes to listen and tell people, even if you think you know the right answer, that you'll get back to them, that you'll look into it. Give them some time to think that you are, you know, and he wasn't just saying like fake it, but he was saying give people the, the opportunity to feel like you've heard them, that you're ruminating on it, that you are getting back to them. And when you come back, even though the answer may have been the same as what you originally came you know, would have told them they feel like you've processed it and that you actually heard them. Now that's fantastic advice. Was that a little bit hurtful? Because I'm, I was priding myself on being the answer person. You know, you come to me, you get an answer. I'll deliver that hard truth to you, but I'm going to like hear you and I'm going to like spout it out right away because we got stuff to do here. Uh, So to get that kind of slow down, think through it, Maybe sometimes the answer will be different when you look into it. Uh, that was fantastic advice that I've I've never forgotten. I can think of several instances like that that he gave um, that really helped me to grow as a leader. Another one was the last CEO that I worked for. You know, he was very young and very eager, and from the beginning felt like human resources was the most important position in the organization. Um, we were there for a turnaround. He had put in a whole new executive team. I was the very last hire that he made for that team on purpose, he said, because it was the most important seat on the bus. So right away, he established how much he valued me and he trusted me. And right away, after a couple of weeks of being there, I got I grew frustrated because I wasn't able to do a lot of the things I'd been able to do in my previous company with creating reports and understanding data and really going to the heart of problems because we didn't have any kind of HRIS system. Mm. And so I just wanted to 
his office because I'm like, this guy trusts me. He'll say yes. He'd said yes to a lot of things because he had trusted me already. And I walked in and I said, I need a new HRIS system. And he said, what's that? <laughs> and I told him and he said, okay, so how much does it cost? And I think it was like 25 or 30, whatever I was. It was a whole, because we had like nothing. So it was like a whole implementation. And I was like, I need it. And he said, why? And I said, I need it. He said, Jennifer, what you're asking me to do, and it was a privately held organization, he said, what you're asking me to do is to go into our board of directors to ask for $25,000 to buy you this system simply because you need it. He said, don't ever put me in that kind of position. He said, bring me data. Tell Mm -hmm. me why you need it, what you're not able to do, what it will save us in terms of time, money, effort how it's a better opportunity for the company so that when I go to the board and ask on your behalf, they'll say yes. That's fantastic advice. I would much rather he have said yes to me that day, but the impact was there and he was consistently an impactful person in my life because, you know, just another quick example, in an executive team meeting, I'm pitching, again, it was a turnaround situation. A lot of things had to be done different. I was pitching some major benefits changes that were going to cost the company some money. And I felt like I you know, came in with a good plan. I did have some data. And the CFO, as is often the case, was just adamantly against it. She just like mm-hmm. poked holes, poked holes, poked holes. And the more holes she poked in my proposal, the more the members of the executive team started going, well, yeah, we don't, we're not sure we want to do this. And so after the meeting was over, I was very frustrated, visibly frustrated. He said, Jennifer, you know, come with me, come into my office for a minute. Went in there and sat down. He said, I can see you're very frustrated. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this is the right thing to do. I cannot believe, you know, whatever. And he said, here's where you messed up. He said, you should have come to me first, presented your idea and sold me on the idea so that I could support you. He said, but because I'd never seen it, and Susan was quick to point out all the flaws, I was not able to be your advocate for your idea to help get other people on board. Right. So in the future, when you have something important like that, make sure that you have me, your most important advocate on board, before you go in and try to convince everyone else it's the right thing to do. Hard truth, but so valuable. So those are some examples, even from my mom to a couple of bosses of people who not only did they deliver it with love you know to to it was it was with care but it was you did something incorrect <laughs> or you're doing something incorrect and i'm telling you this to help you be better in the future right and it, that's where you can have impact yeah it's it's more it's more advice than feedback you know advice about it's advice to help you grow versus being critical yeah. Uh, and, and that's that's the key difference. And I love these three themes that came up because these are themes that come up so much in communication and on this podcast. You know, number one, you know, don't react, respond, which is you know that instinct to just react to know the answers. That's not necessary. People want to feel heard and understood first before before we could be quick. So don't react, respond. Take your time before answering because that's yeah. what people want. They don't want just that that quick reaction. And then number two, give the because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need this because, not just <laughs> I need this. The because is so important. Right. Uh, and that that last one, which is uh, ask for help. Don't do it. Don't do it all alone because. Uh, there's an opportunity for growth there when you could say, you know, what do you think? Or take a look at this. and Or get uh, key stakeholders on board with your idea. I had a CFO, some, a coaching right. client that was a CIO of a large organization um, very early on in my coaching career. 
in one of our meetings, he said, you know, I just want to talk today about my relationship. Those CFOs are tough people. He's like, I want to talk today about my relationship (laughs) with our CFO. He said, he's a nice guy. He said, we get along. He said, but he's always like shooting down my ideas. And so because I'd been given that great advice, I was able to share that with my coaching client. And I said, next time you're making a proposal, go to him, ask him what his concerns are, share your, share your proposal, go ahead and let him poke holes in it so that you can get that out of the way before you go into the rest of your team. So that is good advice all around. And I think, you know, it's often how we fail to think about, well, if there's a key stakeholder or someone who is consistently not on board with my ideas, why go into the broad forum expecting and knowing that they're going to poke holes in it let them poke holes in it first. And number one, you'll be, you'll have a better pitch or proposal. Number two, they'll feel like it was co-created and they'll be much more likely to support you. Again, really smart. It's not just getting, getting an ally, but, you know, find out what is important to the people you're, you're trying to present ideas to and do it before time so that your idea is more fully formed. And, and absolutely, if, if people, if they feel that they've had something to do with it, they'll be much more supportive of that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Uh, I have one more question and uh, for you about uh, HR and uh, we're going to go to your failure. Ta-da moment we're just going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back with those questions with that last question and failure ta-da hi i'm joy newhold and we'll be right back to our interview when i started the great canadian training and consulting company in 2002 i never would have imagined that one day we would have a podcast so first i want to thank you for listening and share some really exciting information about our organization with you For years, we have made our live instructor-led software and soft skills training, consulting, and coaching services customizable to meet the unique needs of each client and committed ourselves to a high quality of customer service. This combined to make the learning experience better for the participants and the planning process easier for the organizer. We love helping our clients so much. We also developed many additional free resources to help you along the way, and this podcast is just one of them. At greatcanadiantraining.ca, you will find our free monthly webinars, blog articles, and free downloads covering everything from building better dashboards in Excel to navigating difficult conversations and everything in between. So make sure to join us at greatcanadiantraining.ca. But for now, I better let you get back to the podcast. Please enjoy the rest of the interview. All right. Uh, like we said, Jennifer, we have one more question for you, and then we're going to go into the failure, failure, ta-da. Um, so we're talking about how to communicate with confidence. And, you know, one of the the things that just came up was the heart, giving the hard truths is such a great example of how to communicate with confidence. The next one is, is for our, our listeners who are in the HR world. Um, it's a challenge sometimes for HR people would like to have more impact. Um, and so my question to you then, Jennifer, is it their own self-perception, their their own sort of self-talk that gets in the way that they're not able to have the impact that they would like? Or is it the perception that they create? Or is it uh, a generalization? Uh, so what, what can someone in HR do to have more impact within their organization? Care. <laughs> you need to care about people uh individually even in large organizations with the challenges and issues that they have and collectively as a group um and you need to care about how you're perceived 
you may be coming into an organization where your predecessor or predecessors developed a negative uh, reputation for HR. That mm-hmm. People in your organization, leadership doesn't feel like HR is their partner or employees do not feel like HR is there um, to advocate for them or support them. So view that challenge for what it is and begin to rebuild that reputation and take that seriously rather than sitting around and just complaining that people don't value you or what you can provide. You're going to have to change hearts and minds and perceptions. So care enough to do the hard work to do that. If you're fortunate enough to come into an organization where HR is valued, then fully step into that. Uh, Understand the influence and the impact that you have over everyone in the organization. That's why I chose to go into HR over 30 years ago. I wanted an opportunity to have the most influence and impact in the organization from the Mm -hmm. get-go. You know, just as a newbie coming out of college, I'm like, what's a position in the organization where I don't just have my team or the few people that I work with, but that I've got some level of responsibility for everybody. And so I consistently tell HR leaders, you are the key to your organization's success. And I think over the last year and a half, it's just become even more prevalent because who was the first people, who were the first people that were called into the room uh, in February or March when things started changing and businesses had to make decisions overnight? It was human resources because you had to figure out how to address the people concerns. If you were going to keep people working and they were going to be working in a different environment or you were going to even unfortunately have to let some people go, human resources was there from the very beginning because People are the heart of any organization, and human resources is responsible for leading how we approach people and people's strategies in the business. So there's no better place in the organization to have influence and impact. So step into it, build the reputation or rebuild the reputation of HR as a trusted business partner and someone who cares about employees and the heart of the organization, and then really do good work. Great advice, Jennifer. So not be not be so task focused or task oriented, and remember that you're the tasks have people. to be done. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm self employed. I got a whole <laughs> Mondays are my day to do all the things like you know balance the checkbooks and pay the invoices, and you know I have to do tasks too. But if For I sure. want to grow my business, I have to be thinking about the bigger picture of why I'm here, and yeah. I'm here to help leaders understand the influence and impact that they can have in the organization, and to really step into that. Well said. Let's go into, if you're ready now, uh, what we like to call failure. Ta-da! And so this is from the world of improvisation where we, uh, where Jennifer, I'm going to ask you for a moment in your career that maybe was a failure. At, it seemed like a failure at the time, but became a real learning point. And you, I mean, you shared with us already some hard truths, but maybe there's another example you have of where there was a, a failure, you learned from it, and then we're going to celebrate it. And if you want to say ta-da at the end, you can. I can. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to the very, very beginning. Remember that that college student who chose, at the time, it was called personnel, not human resources. Personnel is her okay. area of focus. Never having met a personnel manager in her life. Again, I just kind of like out of thin air said, where can I have influence and impact? So I actually, uh, after a starter job that when I couldn't get anybody to hire me in, in personnel or human resources, finally talked my way into a job at a small manufacturing company that was, the job title was personnel manager slash shipping and receiving manager. So oh, <laughs> neither of which I'd ever done before. Right. And I actually shocked 
the operations manager on my first day and he's taking me through the tour of the factory. And I'm like, this is so exciting. This is my first time ever being in a manufacturing plant ever. <laughs> and I'll never forget. He turned and looked at me like, mm -hmm. what, what have yeah. we just, what have we done? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, I dove right in uh, right. to both roles, learned how to do a lot of things. Um, and one of the challenges that our company faced, it was a company that was about, it was, three or four years old, relatively new organization. Uh, things were still brand new and shiny. Uh, the employees that had been there knew their jobs. We had basically zero turnover. And when I say basically zero, it was basically zero. Okay. And our employees were paid extremely well. So this was the late 80s. And our manufacturing operators were paid $13, $14 an hour. Um, you know, lead, lead operators and technicians all the way up to $20 an hour you guys can do the conversions for the Canadian. That's mm -hmm. good money. Sure, that, you know, sure. right now we're talking 30 years later of minimum wage being maybe $15 an hour in the U.S. Right. Um, so they were making, in some cases, double what people in the community in similar level jobs were making and or in our industry because I did wage surveys with our competitors. We had a good group of people who would share that. We were far and above more. And so when I joined after the company, again, had been there three or four years, they had not had a wage increase in several years because they mm. were already well over market. Right. Now that makes sense on paper, um, but our employees were frustrated because they felt like we're doing great work, we're doing good things, but yet my cost of living is continuing to decline because my wages aren't going up. So I took this on personally as something I wanted to fix as a 22-year-old. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Armed with all the data and creativity that I could come up with, I yeah. came up with a really creative, what I, I still think it was a really creative, ingenious plan. Again, way ahead of my time, because remember, we didn't have internet then, so right. I wasn't able to do research. I just kind of like crafted this in my little brain, and my plan was the opportunity to get a pay increase for doing basically pay for skills. The more you do, the more you position yourself to be in line for a pay increase. So they had been giving them lump sums like $300, $500 every year to avoid raising their pay increase. So everybody was getting $500 a year. So my idea was take that $500 a year, put it in a pot and make it available as a pay per performance bonus. So the more you do, the more you can earn. And mm -hmm. You can actually increase your hourly rate, which ultimately increased your cost of living. But if you're not doing anything, you're not going to get anything. Right. So I thought this is amazing. You know, mm -hmm. this is something that it's going to reward the star performers and the people who aren't performing are going to have incentive to do better. So I never forget all employee meeting, all three shifts, bring them together in the company cafeteria. I'm presenting my plan, which I had had to sell to the executives in a, it, you know, that in and of itself was a, a gauntlet of getting the, the senior leadership of this company to believe in my idea. And mm -hmm. I convinced them it was great. Got in front of all the employees. I don't even, I didn't have, it was back in the day when you had slide projectors, you know, where you had the little mm -hmm. transparencies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Projected up on the cafeteria wall. And I'm like, right. this is the new plan. This is amazing. Aren't you so excited? And they just, if they'd had tomatoes in their hands, oh, I would have been covered. 100% of the people hated it. 
The good employees hated it. The bad employees hated it. Everyone hated it. And they were very vocal. And I stood up there in front of everyone and I cried. Oh. <laughs> and you're, you're, yeah, so now it's just compounding. I'm like, number one, they yeah. hate my idea. Number one, I'm crying in front of everybody. <laughs> and what I learned from that, I don't even remember how I got out of the situation because I probably just had to be rescued. We still did it and it worked. Oh, okay. But what I learned was, Mm -hmm. back to that co-creation, I had not gone out and tested my idea, especially with some of the key vocal employees, so that I could both understand their perspective, and that would have changed, I'm sure, my pitch. I don't think the idea was wrong, but because they were getting something taken away, which had become an entitlement, Mm -hmm. or the opportunity to earn something more, um, they needed more education. Uh, rather than me just going, look at this amazing idea. <laughs> right. If I'd learned how to communicate that better by talking to people, by, you know, sitting down with some people and pitching my idea. So it kind of coming full circle to have gotten their feedback before I presented mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would have helped me to understand and to address their objections rather than to have their objections come at me full force and to be right. so surprised and shocked that I cried in front of held employees. <laughs> so that, and number two, big learning was not to be personally invested in something. Right. I was looking at this as I was saving everyone. For lack of a better way to say that. I'm fixing this for you. Look at this thing I came up with. Instead, I should have been looking at it as what was right for the business and what was right for the employees and really explaining it in that way. And I'm pretty sure I stood up there and probably said, look at what I've done for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was a huge, there were a couple of huge learnings. One, again, to not not be so personally invested in something that if people poke holes at it, in an effort to make it better or otherwise that you can't take that feedback and make the idea better. Yeah. You're really focused on, on uh, maybe on, on the wrong, you you were so focused on, on yourself in a sense. I was saving the world. <laughs> you were going to save the world. <laughs> and, uh, and this is good because so many of us, you know, and the listeners can relate to that where you maybe take on a project and you, you write the whole story in your head about what's going to happen. And people are going to be standing up and going, bravo, <laughs> that's the best idea we've heard. Thank you. Right. And, but you haven't really checked into the people you're trying to help and what do they need and what's important to them and getting their insights uh, and not being uh, the, the rescuer or the savior and, and, cha- and, and being open to changing the story too uh, in your, as going on in your head. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, my amazing idea could have been that much better if I'd just gotten some feedback from yeah, people just, who were going to be impacted by it. Small shifts, small mm-hmm. shifts. Absolutely. That is a, those are some great examples, some great insights, Jennifer. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, my takeaway about this is, you know, sharing those hard truths and how that important that is on communicating with confidence. And it's, it keeps coming up and also about don't do it alone. Uh, if you're trying to do this for somebody else, <laughs> get, get their feedback, get their insights, get their thoughts um, so that that affects on how you're going to communicate more, even more with confidence because they're going to hear what's, what, what's important to them and they feel heard and understood again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jennifer, where can we find out more about you and more about Disrupt HR? Sure. You can find all things Jennifer McClure at jennifermcclure.net. 
Uh, there you'll be able to also find my podcast, which is called Impact Makers with Jennifer McClure. So if you want to hear more, both conversations with leaders like this, or even some of my thoughts in some of the solo episodes, that's a great place to find that there. You can find me on Twitter at Jennifer McClure and also on LinkedIn. There's several Jennifer McClures, but I should come up first because I was there early. Uh, <laughs> you can find all things Disrupt HR at disrupthr.co. We also have profiles on the social media accounts as well, but you can find us at disrupthr.co and go from there. Perfect. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time today and all of these insights. And everyone, go check out Disrupt HR and jennifermcclure.net. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for our three stars, no trois étoiles. Number one, hard truths. Focus on the growth of the other person. This isn't about being critical when you're giving hard truths. This is advice that comes from a place of respect for the other person's growth. Number two, because. People need to know the why. As Jennifer shared her example, I need this. You have to try to include the because, as in I need this because. The other person needs to know why this is so important or what's the full story. Number three, care. Be a trusted business partner. One way to be influential and impactful is the care that you demonstrate to others in your organization or the business interactions, and this builds trust. So, what's the next step? Well, if you're not sure where you can apply these three stars in business or maybe even in life, try this. Engage a stakeholder. Before you present your big idea and it's all built up in your head, Ask a stakeholder for their thoughts, their perspective. Your idea will be more fully approachable and your stakeholder is now going to feel involved and they won't just be your audience. Enjoy. Thank you for joining us in our search for what makes a great communicator. If you enjoyed the show, then please leave a rating or review. Even better, subscribe to the Great Canadian Leadership Podcast and make sure you don't miss another episode. Let's stay connected. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at GCT underscore CompUEs. And if you'd like more information, free resources or class schedules on everything from software to soft skills training, consulting or coaching, then go on over to greatcanadiantraining.ca. Thank you and we will see you next episode. Thank you.